Welcome to Sign on the Window. This is the first... Oh, see, I'm too jilted. I want to say supplemental I'm too episode. jilted. Yeah, it just sounds like, welcome to Sign on the Window. Sign on the Window says lonely Sign on the door says no company allowed Sign on the street says you don't own me Sign on a port says three's a crown Sign on a port says three's a crown Welcome to Sign on the Window. This is the first episode that we're going to be calling our supplemental series. Um, we're going to be covering anything Bob Dylan related or Bob Dylan adjacent, be it a book, a film, a bootleg, an author, an event, uh, music from bands that circled around Dylan, inspired by Dylan music, covered by Dylan. There's so many um, compilations out there. Um, this is more just an idea to get us more into the mood for our normal show, which we uh, cover song by song, where we randomly choose a song week by week. Um, but instead of doing that, I thought we would do something different. And this was kind of a hard decision to do, but we've decided to watch the Martin Scorsese-directed documentary that came out in 2005 called No Direction Home. Now, this is something where I thought a lot about the podcast. And also, I'm here with Kelly, by the way. Hey. Hey. So we are going to be watching this. You've never seen it before. No. I You've never not even heard of it. No idea. Okay. There's two ways to think about this podcast. One is that we can keep Bob Dylan locked away. In a closet where we give Kelly one little tiny morsel every week. Or we can give you a little tiny bit, bit by bit, in some sick decade-long experiment where we finally see at the end if you like Bob Dylan or not. I know that that's a really funny idea, and we've played around with it as kind of the joke of the podcast. But I also think we just finished episode six called Outlaw Blues, where we looked at the song Outlaw Blues. And the first thing you said to me after we you listened to it a bunch is that you wish that you could listen to the entirety of Bringing It All Back Home. Because it sounds like it's probably a badass record. Yeah, that song is great. And my response was, it is a badass record. It's definitely one of my favorites of all time. And it is a shame that it could take years to formulate all of the songs or a decade until we actually get the full album. Right. So why should we not allow you to listen to Bob Dylan? And then I started thinking about myself. I mean, a lot of these songs I've listened to hundreds of times. And then some like from the 80s and the Christian period, I've listened to probably two or three times. Total, my entire life, because they're shit. <laughs> and we're going to be re-exploring them. Now, I probably have heard all of these, but I think somebody going in with three listens, one listen, no listens, a thousand listens, I think it's, you bring to it what you will. And so for me, I don't want to police what you can watch and what you can listen to. And so I think it's good if we just loosen up a little bit. And mostly the podcast, the whole idea of it was that we were going to live with the song for a week. And it doesn't really matter what the song is. It doesn't matter what any of that piece of art is. We are just looking at Bob Dylan. But we do this with our lives all the time. So why not just indulge yourself if you want to? The only stipulation I would say is that if you do indulge, let us know at the podcast. Let us know if you listen to all of Bringing It All Back Home. Because I know that we would all be interested to know. And listener, audience out there listening, if you're listening in the future or with us right now, feel free to do the same. If you're a novice as well and you're going on the same ride as Kelly, 
feel free if you love Outlaw Blues to just listen to Bringing It All Back Home. Have it on repeat. That's fine. I don't see any problem with that. But then keep coming back and keep listening because I think you'll see a different side of everything as we go along. Can we listen to Tallest Man on Earth? Can that be a supplemental album? That because can. Because I thought that was Bob Dylan for a while. We will definitely <laughs> we will definitely look into that because when I saw him in 2010, he actually did this whole tear about Bob Dylan where he basically said that he is uh, – he covered a bunch of Bob Dylan in the concert. Mm. And then he said um, that he is not going to do any more Dylan songs tonight because he's transcending Dylan. Um, but right now we're going to watch No Direction Home because I think that having a bedrock – is important as we go forward. And if we get a song like Outlaw Blues, I think it's much more interesting when she knows, and you know if you're watching or listening along with us, uh, just a little bit of context. And I think this is one of the best rock and roll documentaries ever made. Um, Also, it's just a fucking amazing movie and an amazing experience. Scorsese is a master. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and watch that now. So we're going to play the theme song below, and we're going to come at you on the other side of it with our impressions and takes from the movie. Go watch the movie. You haven't Go seen watch it. the movie right now. You have three minutes to watch the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Peace. home kelly how you feeling three and a half hours later we're done that's what it was called no direction home no direction home what's the other one martin scorsese don't look back don't look back yeah so don't look back is definitely on the list to do it was it was really it was good it was really long but it was good um it opening with the no direction home thing i can't even remember the line he said exactly but like I'm not really from anywhere or like something, the gist of that. So on the road to nowhere. Yeah. So I can't go home. So that's why no direction home because there's no way to go. There's no way to get there because it doesn't exist kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I think the whole like bringing itself consistently back. I mean, they did it. I kind of noticed it this time more than I maybe ever did before. But when Dylan was talking about himself very early on, they kept going to audience members that were from that those London shows. I mean, pretty much the crux, the end of this entire thing is that tour in 66 with the Hawks. And so you're getting these blank faces and it's almost like Dylan speaking of himself in 1959 is almost part and parcel with Dylan explaining himself through his music in 1966. It's that same blank stares. Like people don't know what to do with it. I mean, it's fascinating. And that inner cut and that constant back and forth between like every time it'd be like, we're doing a purist folk song and then we do leopard skin pillbox hat. And it's like, that's like the height of, you know, insanity. <laughs> yeah. I, I found it amazing. I mean, it's, I mean, I've seen this probably, I think this is like my fifth or sixth viewing, but over the, these 10 years, but wow, it's still, it's still powerful, especially the ending. I mean, there's nothing better than the Judas moment. And I, I mean, it's weird. We just you. saw it. So I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Or when Tillin's in there, Boo. <laughs> boo. I'm going to boo. <laughs> Don't boo me anymore. Don't boo me. God, that booing. I can't stand it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's hard to get in tune when they're booing. You know? Yeah, I can't get in tune at all when they're booing. I can't, I can't, uh, it, it, I can't uh, hear anything. 
I don't even want to get in tune. <laughs> when they yell in this weird, weird nasal tone from here. Oh, Jesus, you know, I don't understand why they, how can they buy the tickets up so fast? <laughs> I'm going to leave. Yeah, I'm going to leave. <laughs> You, you found yourself recognizing a lot of the music as we went yeah, along. Yeah, which I was both surprised and not surprised about because I, yeah. I had that feeling all along going into this, you know, doing this podcast in general, which was like, I know that I'll know some of these songs because of the way that we used to do music, period, like the recording industry where there would just be the song and different people would do their own versions of arrangements on it, but there was just the one song. So like, I knew that his music was definitely entrenched in, in America and culture and pop culture and that I would have heard one of his songs or a version of it um, multiple times. And there was like probably at least five or six, like the Blowing in the Wind, definitely for sure. I've heard the Tambourine Man, which I already knew. But you didn't know Blowing in the Wind was Dylan. And that's... I, yeah, I didn't know that was his song. I mean, now that I know that it's his song, I would say, yeah, for Makes sense. that and uh, like a Rolling Stone, which I had already, I right. knew that one was his for sure. Um, I think there's one more. No, this is well, just God on their side. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that one too. Oh my gosh, the way that people interviewed him. So well, that's like, what I was getting at. It's like, what a what a weird side of Dylan yeah. that you almost don't get from the songs, especially the, you know, you know, 10 or so that we've covered so far. It's, I mean, what a strange world to be a part of. And the Beatles kind of had that too. John thought of the name Beatles, and he'll tell you about it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, just, it means Beatles, doesn't it? You know, it, that's just a name. You know, like shoe. What kind of girls do you prefer? My wife. Your wife. What yes. kind of girl is she? She's a nice girl. What kind of girl do you like? Uh, John's wife. I must cents. tell you, by the way, that Detroit University have got to stamp out the Beatle movement. I uh, know. Uh, uh, yeah, we've we heard, heard about that. Detroit. They think, they, <laughs> they think your uh, haircuts are un-American. Well, it was very observant of them, because we aren't American, actually. <laughs> true, that. True, true. Where are the hairdos come from? Where, where, where's the originality? Oh, scalp. And uh, tell me, you brought three of your friends. Could you please introduce Yes, there's them? George Parasol, <clears throat> Ringo Stone, and Paul Macharmley. And uh, did they have any anything to do with your book? Uh, did uh, they help you or did they hinder you in any way? No, they typed it out for me. What do you and Ringo do while John and Paul write songs? Uh, we play marbles. I mean, that's where he, you know, John Lennon gets into trouble for saying that the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. It's almost this flippant offhand remark that then gets, you know, totally washes them over because everything they're doing is answering these bullshit questions. And I mean, yeah. I know that a lot of, you know, bands and stuff like that have always answered this kind of shit, but it doesn't seem like they get those kind of questions. Like, yeah. Right. Because they're so far out of left field. I feel like it used to be you're a journalist and that's just it. And you don't have to have any kind of knowledge or be in the scene of anything you're covering, which is fine. If you're a journalist, you don't necessarily have to be, I guess. But I feel like now if you cover music, you cover music, which means like you're, you know, the industry and you know, the bands are probably going to be talking yeah, these to. are, these are newspaper men who right. are going to cover Bob Dylan, who is almost just a news event, yeah. but not the news event they were thinking. I mean, I think these people might've even covered music in some tangential way, but when you're, when you're covering like Tin Pan Alley singer singing the pop hits from america how much is that dog in the window it's different than somebody like bob dylan who's just like you know like tell me what you think of that i won't tell anybody else just <laughs> whisper it on to me you know you don't even listen to my music like right. why are you gonna even start so the humor and the wit i mean like the wit 
he's a smart person you can tell from the way he writes his music but the humor doesn't really come across in his songs because i don't think it's meant to although you could say that his songs have whimsy wow we just having i think the 10 we've gotten to have been pretty you know we've we've done an album and you know about 10 songs now i wouldn't say that any of those are going to be award winners for wit but i mean i think like outlaw blues which we did a couple weeks ago was fairly funny i mean just sort of I mean, it's flippant. It's just kind of like telling a story. There's tons of funny Bob Dylan songs. Don't worry about that. We will definitely get to them. But I think, yeah, the wit is something that's going to come later. I think that Bob Dylan is so weighed down with the voice of a generation and all that bullshit. And that's the one thing I like about No Direction Home is that it kind of puts that in its place. You know, it's like I think that Bob is ridiculous for not understanding where that's coming from or being so dismissive of it. But at the same time, it's like. For somebody, the generation after, like us, right. it's almost it's almost comical. The whole thing. Well, we're two generations after. Like we're removed. We're very removed, yeah. and so for me, like Bob Dylan, like not going to to go get his um his Nobel Prize, uh, which is such a baby boomer like accolade. Here right. you go, baby boomer generation. Um, for me, it's like that's a punk motherfucking thing to do, just to sit down and be like, yeah, I don't I don't really care i guess i'll go get a million dollars whatever and um yeah i don't want to do anything in front of anybody so just the members please and i'll just smile and take my award and go play my show you gave this to me you chose to do this what did you expect and i think there was that great moment where he was given the tom Payne award um for the emergency civil liberties union and he's always going to be an outlier if you want him to be and i think that's the thing that always drew me to bob dylan was the outlierness. I think that this documentary is very important because it's going to, I don't know, just shed a new light on where he came from. And, you know, Planet Waves, we talk about Hibbing and it's like we get a little bit of insight as to, you know, his life and what it used to be like and what he thinks of it. Not a whole lot. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> One of the first things he says in the documentary is like, oh, there used to be a lot of carnivals or like uh, circus stuff. And he's like. Saw the, there. I saw this carny and he did this one thing, but he also like painted faces. I was like, wow, you can do two things. And I just thought that was like the most naive and ridiculous thing. Like, of course, dude, you can do as many things as you want. And obviously he took that little tiny kernel of something and just exploded his whole life. Like, I can And everybody else's lives. All the things. Uh, I'm, so I'm at this weird spot right now after watching this where yeah. I don't know how I should take this as like... <laughs> I could either be super cynical and nihilistic about Bob Dylan, or I could just be just just not care. But it's really, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I mean that's the and place that's I'm why gonna, he's, gonna he's hilarious and he's ridiculous. And you can call him on his bullshit when he looks into the camera and is just like blah 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 blah. You know, I need a. She looked like she could use a singing partner. Exactly. And what's love and who's in love? And even Bob seemed to concede. You know that. He How do you do this her. when you're yeah. in love with somebody? Yeah. Right. You can't and be wise and in love at the same time. Exactly. Which is, put that on a coffee mug, man. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like. Bob Dylan, the slogan generator. I mean, you could just do every single line in this entire show, in this entire movie as, as a, as a magnet. So that's where, that's why I'm at this frustrating point. So I, <laughs> he talks in these non-committal circles and, uh, so I, I like so if everything you say you sh- you can't take for truth or take for anything then what's the point of listening to you talk or sing or any of that right so you could take that approach you could take the the nihilistic way out like what does it fucking matter 
but I'm just like, it's fine. You're just, you're going to do whatever you want to do and it's fine. Well, he wouldn't refute you. He would just be like, yeah, I totally, well, I totally understand that. I know. <laughs> which, which again, when you take the nihilistic one, it's always with the tinge of like, but I'm not, you can take me for serious because everyone else isn't. But I think it's refreshing when you're just like, yeah, I'm kind of the same, I guess. <laughs> I mean, and he's not wrong. It's just like, I happen to be here and Dave Rourke, Dave and Rourke is not. I happen to be here, but you know, John Cohen's not, you know, I just happened to be at that coffee shop when he saw me folk music just happened to be coming big. Thanks Pete Seeger. Thanks Woody Guthrie. There's plenty of geniuses out there in the world that never get their due. So Bob could be very much one of them that just never got, got that still playing in coffee shops now or, you know, just sort of toiling away on whatever he's doing. Maybe he's got a podcast out there. I don't know. I mean, he did do he did do radio, so yeah. That's you said that he had like a serious yeah theme song, radio hour, yeah. Right. Yeah, the um, John Cohen of the I believe New Lost City Ramblers, incredible. Um, he said this adorable thing about how like the predatory nature of the music industry, where he was speaking about the girl from Peter Paul and Mary, right? Mary, if you Mary, will, of Peter Paul and Mary, right. where she had been uh, recording with the group in Florida. Right. And she'd come back to New York, and he was like, where's your tan? She's like, I wasn't allowed to go outside. I'm supposed to be the wayfish pale one. And he was like, I just can't believe that I was in New York freezing, and she could have went outside in the sun, and, and she wasn't allowed. And it was just, like, the cutest, like, most naive way to explain that situation, which is a horrible situation when people get exploited for whatever reason by people in power that are seeking nothing but money, right? But it was just the cutest way to frame that ever. Like, she didn't even get a tan, guys. Yeah, I could have had one. I wish I was there. I could have had one. Yeah, that was super cute. Yeah. Flowers, 50 cents for a 24 pound bag. Now it's a dollar and a half beside. Just like a skin and off a plea for the hide. Tell me, how can a poor man stand such times and I liked him a lot. I, he served a lot of very important reference points for the movie. I mean, even, even sort of framing. Um, Dylan going electric through the you know her his uh his baby his child you know like they opened oh, Newport sixty five Pete Seeger right oh uh, no so Cohen John Cohen so John oh, Cohen Pete Seeger was the one that had the well baby. they no 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 he's oh. way older yeah no it was uh John Cohen's baby okay uh, so they started singing it I guess uh, you know Pete opened up the concert to a song but even even that framed as like this idea of here is a brand new generation right here. Here's a baby that we just have. And if Bob Dylan going electric is such a seminal moment, which is kind of like anticlimactic in a way. I mean, you hear about it and then you watch this and you're just like, okay, well, I played for 15 minutes and then he like came back out. If he didn't come back out, that might've been a huge slight. But I didn't then he think he was did. going to for a second. Yeah. That was so exciting for me. I know it was you're not like, for oh, you. You're like, oh, maybe Peter, Peter, he come. <laughs> Peter's going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's, you know, I, I think that alone, just that narrative device, like, here is this person, they're being ushered through with Bob off to this other realm. I found it fascinating. And you, that was funny, right at the end, you were like, so what about the next 50 years? You know, it's been 50 years since that tour and since the motorcycle accident, over 50 at this point, 51. And... You know, I mean, we've we've done a couple, you know, we've done honest with me. We started this podcast with a very much older Dylan and, you know, we're looking at a Dylan, you know, in the, you know, who seems vibrant and seems alive. And this is, you know, 2005 and this is being recorded and stuff. So, 
you know, 2001 was our, you know, honest with me. So I think that's as far as we've gotten. Yeah, we did 97, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with uh, Cold Irons Bound. So we're we're around, you know, that time frame. But yeah, it's fascinating. You know, we have to fill in all the gaps. You know, and even at the end, it was like he wouldn't go on tour for another eight years. Well, we got to listen to Planet Waves with the band mm-hmm. um, and see, you know, talk about that tour that he was going to go on. And it's kind of interesting to think that, you know, that's the end right there, being called a traitor and Judas and and then to sort of put a stop to it and go off into a house to record songs and come back with something entirely different. is you know, testament to Bob Very much so. People. Same people, guy. yeah. The Mickey, Mickey Jones, right? Mickey, sure. Home Improvement from guy. Home Improvement, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, no, he was covering for Levon Helms, so I didn't realize Levon wasn't even there. So yeah, it it's just it, it's really I'm really glad we did watch it. Um, yeah, because good. The, not only for context reason, just to get another side of Bob Dylan more as like a person. <laughs> Woody Guthrie stuff was really fascinating. I know um, you like Woody Guthrie. I was, yeah. Yeah, you didn't know this. This machine kills fascists. Yeah, yeah, that was, was huge. I'm just like, is there every fucking John Green loving hipster that has that on their goddamn laptop. And I'm like, this Woody Guthrie, that's great. I'm out here a thousand miles from my home, walking a road other men have gone down. I'm seeing your world of people and things. Here, paupers and peasants and princes and kings. Hey, hey, Woody Guthrie, I wrote you a song. About a funny old world that's a-coming along. Seems sick and it's hungry, it's tired and it's torn. It looks like it's a dying and it's hardly been born. Hey, Woody Guthrie, but I know that you know. I wrote, I just wrote Pete Seeger in all caps. Pete Seeger. <laughs> you were stoked about his sweater, uh, his banjo oh, yeah. he's holding. I mean, he's interesting. I mean, the whole blacklisting, you know, back in the 50s. You know, for being a communist, play guitars oh, yeah. and That's yeah, nuts. Like that was in the little. This pe- person might be a communist if they play I mean, a guitar. And Woody Guthrie, if he was more active then and not sick, he would have been wrapped up in all of that too. Which is crazy. It's just fucking blatantly insane, and and it's and it's ridiculous to think of those are acts that we still perpetrate very much to this day. And 
you know, we're going to look back on it and be like, wow, that's fucked up. There's just so many great quotes of people in this movie that are asking Bob Dylan questions like, can you suck your glasses? Can you suck your glasses? What? It's just what a weird fucking thing to say. Do you care about what you're singing? Like, do you care what you're singing about? No. <laughs> Bob Dylan's like, how dare you, basically? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, how can you ask me that question? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what he says. Like, what the fuck? I mean, and I think that in the present day, Bob Dylan, too, is just like, can you just imagine being asked these things? And what do you say to this stuff? Honestly, right? how do you honestly say something? I can do. Well, he says that before. He's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to get crazy, smash some cameras? And because I'll do that. I'll get people along with me to do that. But that's not really being me being me. Right. So this is me being me. I know more about what you do. And you don't even have to ask me how or why or anything. Uh, just by looking. You know, then you'll ever know about me. Ever. I mean, I could tell you, I could tell you, you know, I'm not a folk singer and explain to you why. But you wouldn't really understand. All you could do, you could nod your head. You would nod your head. No, I couldn't even be willing to try because it, it, it would be, it's, you know, there's certain things which, every, every word, every word has its little letter and big letter. Your friend had the right word pigeonhole. No, it's not pigeonhole. It's not the word at all. You know, every word has its little letter and big letter, like the word no. You know, the word no, K-N-O-W. Okay. You know the word no, capital K-N-O-W? Like, each of us really knows nothing. Right? But we all think we know things. Right. We really know nothing. But, I mean, what even is that? I think Robert Ebert says it best. He says this is like one of, this is the best documentary, rock documentary thing he's ever seen. But it keeps Dylan where he's supposed to be, shrouded in mystery. Mm-hmm. He still is not cutting through. And, I mean, there's there's a sense out there that, like, there is some collusion between the filmmakers and Bob Dylan to kind of make it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan very much controlled what he was going to say and how the image was going to be a part uh, was going to be um, was going to be shown to the world uh, Dylan contends that he was just sat down for 10 hours and just talked which is very unlike Dylan so it almost seems strange so it's hard to tell it's hard to tell like who's being calculating who's not and I think with everything Bob Dylan for another 50 years at least once he dies I think you'll start to get an idea of like what was it that was contrived what wasn't what was real what was not and I really hope, to be honest with you, that I die years and years and years from now, not having any fucking idea. Oh, well, and it I was just, just being gonna ask you. couldn't care less. No. Because Bob Dylan is not a person. Bob Dylan is a chameleon. Bob Dylan is whatever you want it to be, and he'll always be something different. And if I came to Bob Dylan as like for some like sense of activism or some fucking rock music or whatever i mean i come to it for all of it i come to it for poetry and love and i mean it's it's hard to sum up the feelings you have for somebody but at the end of the day i think i would agree with what bob dylan probably wants people to want the most which is a love for his music i love his music i love all of it even if i hate it because it's a representative of a person of a time of an instinct of a feeling and I like to ride those trains with Dylan and with a hundred other bands and artists out there in the world. Well, I mean, okay, so to ask you more broadly, yeah. do you think if there were only two sides to this, which I've learned watching this, that that's not the case, regardless, yep. if I were to put it to you, do you think Bob Dylan has a meticulously curated persona that he's created and knows the ins and outs of 100% or 
is he legitimately just some guy who does whatever the fuck he wants to do whenever he wants to do the audience goes to bob i mean it's unlike anyone else you know he doesn't have to go out there and pander he will do whatever the fuck he wants and people will show up or they won't they'll show up 10 years later he'll be moved on to the next thing you open the door and i stepped in and you were not going to get me out of here and that's, I think that that's a hungry person. And I think that's somebody we can all relate to. We all want that. We all want to step in the door. What do you do when you're in the door? How important is the length of the banjo that Pete Seeger plays? The neck. The banjo should get its own documentary, I think. I think so. That was the longest neck on a guitar slash banjo I've ever seen in my life. I love it when they hold it up straight. Yes, classic guitar. Yeah, like Joan Baez playing it. Oh, that was really beautiful. She's... An angel. I know. She really is right? an angel. And yeah. her hair is like blue. She's got that cool blue gray old lady thing going yeah. on. I love so, it. And we've got a lot of great recordings with them. Yeah. Uh, like there's a live one from Halloween 1964. Don't don't let that scare you. <laughs> it's just Halloween. <laughs> I have my Bob Dylan mask on. <laughs> I'm masquerading. <laughs> you have people like John Baez, like, like she said in the documentary, it's like he'll just uh, you know play it like a waltz, and then he'll go you know two four four or whatever, and just fuck with you. And that's exactly. I mean, you listen to anything Joan Baez has recorded with Bob Dylan officially. It's her catching up to him. Even though my mind is hazy and my thoughts they might be narrow, while you pin don't bother me. Not bring me down with sorrow. It don't even matter where you're waking up tomorrow. But mama, you just on my Seeing all that other stuff was really cool, especially yeah. that Irish act with the guy, the Chancy Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really cool. I don't know. There's, it was, yeah. There's a lot of really neat stuff in it. <laughs> I mean, that's the long and short of it for me. I guess it was definitely worth yeah. watching. I'm really glad we did. I can't get over how mad those fucking British people were. They were so bad. They were pissed. I, so bad. And for what? Like. Oh my god, I get it. He was playing an acoustic guitar. You liked when he was playing an acoustic guitar. Now he's playing louder music. I'll just break it right. I'll play four or five songs and they just I don't make a sound. I'll just And then Albert will come up and go boo. Right. Hey, I love the description in the paper last night. Another night of cat calls for Dylan. Oh my god. 
I didn't see that. Well, many of the audience walked out. I saw one, man. Did you see one paper that said everybody walked out? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> everybody walked out. I saw a paper that said everybody walked out. In Liverpool, I saw it. They're really losing their minds. Totally insane. I'm going to walk out. <laughs> we want the real killer. Don't stand up. <laughs> I've decided just to tell him, man, that Dylan got sick. It's the equivalent oh to us. I mean, I don't know. It's is it the green think. days? Is it the against me's of the world? Is I mean, it... even that, well... I mean, that's on a lower scale and more personal, just right. wearing a shirt. But it's, I mean, I remember people losing their goddamn <laughs> mind. That's what, when they did... When they went to a, a new major label. Yeah. Mm. And it's like... Oh, okay. I can't imagine paying money for a live show of a band that you once loved and being that angry at the end of Correct. it. Correct. Like, that seems bizarre to me. Yeah, I think it's something that you either are into as a child and you follow that through for the rest of your life, or you're a bitter type of person, or you have that feeling when you're a kid, you know, you always have those bands that mean so much to you. But then I think most people naturally grow into it and sort of understand themselves. Well, I think that goes back to, like we were just talking about, how you get attachments to things, right? Especially as a teenager, I remember listening to those bands where you're like, right. they can do no right, really, because if they don't make the same album that you loved, you're pissed. But right. if they make that same album again, you're pissed because we already heard that it's album. Like, I'm growing. Why aren't you? Yeah, but that's the that's the whole point, right? It's growth. So mm-hmm. Bob Dylan grew and changed, and that's what we, we should all be doing. Yeah. And if you don't have empathy for other people growing and changing, then that means that you're probably stilted, that yeah. you're probably not doing that. And maybe you should. Maybe you should take a second to learn. Well, and even here in this context, it's like you want to look down on Bob. You can have that opinion if you want, that he turned his back on Viet- the Vietnam protests and all of that. He kind of went an apolitical route. But someone like Van Ronk would say he was probably more sophisticated in a sense that he sort of transcended that. And, and Bob, at the very beginning, I think, said kind of all that needs to be said, which is when I see injustice, I'm going to stand up against it. I think that's what normal people would do. Now, that's a very politically charged statement, even in today's world. But it's also apolitical in a sense that it doesn't doesn't matter. I mean, there, there's this idea of what justice is and, and what injustice is. Like and politics, it transcends, yeah. yeah, American politics or right versus left. I mean, think, I mean, it's so hard to even put yourself in those shoes. Like, this is, folk music is like the music. I did want to talk about that for a second, too, the um, rock and roll attitude. Yeah. I feel like watching that, I was like watching that happen because it didn't exist before that, right? Because we had just those mainstream tracks where there's no counterculture or if there is counterculture it's coming from fucking folk music which is amazing now you have these people these weirdo journalists that are not used to covering this kind of stuff or don't really understand it and you have these the artists that are like what the fuck are you even talking about man so it's like that is it right the the rock and roll sneer the like we have attitude and they're not even like the bob dylan doing it or the beatles doing it. it's like we're not even you're just asking us bonkers questions and yeah. what are we supposed to answer? Like where they're not, it seems like the most earnest form of the rock and roll attitude. The singer's name is Bob Dylan. We don't know that. Do you know who he is? He's Justin Bieber's um, brother. Bieber, Just to make this clear. I hate this song, but I like other Bob Dylan songs. I like Bob Dylan. I'm just saying, I like more than Bob Dylan. Like, can someone say that? And also, don't look back. I want to do because we there there's lengthy conversations with uh, John Lennon 
in the back of a car with Bob Dylan where they're just high as shit talking about stuff, which is really fun. And we delve more into the Beatles and sort of all of that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot more to be said about so much of this, especially his impact on on popular culture and music. So I think this is a great foundation. Like I said, bedrock, perfect, lovely. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So thank you for tuning in for supplemental number one, the direction home. Yeah. I think we'll call it a night. We have to work tomorrow. It's like 11 o'clock. I'm so tired. So tired. Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it and what you're watching with us, go ahead and finish it. We will be here for you every Sunday. Check out the next episode wherever we are in time. It's a milestone push you down on her luck and she daily. It's a load in the bottom, hot to book out of bed. I believe where she's stopping, where she wants time to care. I believe that she'd look upon the side and to care And I go by the Lord and where she's on my way But I don't belong there No, I don't